This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to the of the Clue Jets podcast. We have Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, the Jets finally have an offensive coordinator, and his name is Nathaniel Hackett, who many people will know as the very successful head coach of the Denver Broncos last year. Um, certainly some eyebrows were raised with this hire. There's some good and some bad in his resume. His dad was the OC for the Jets for a few years in the early 2000s. And his name is linked with a very certain quarterback that everybody will be freaking out about and talking about over the next few weeks. So with that said, Michael, let's let's talk about Hackett. We will have an OC candidate breakdown coming on Hackett in the next day or two. He's one of the, the guys that we haven't talked about uh, with the guest to break down his film and his philosophies. So obviously a more in-depth Nathaniel Hackett podcast coming in the next two days or so. Um, but we wanted to get our initial thoughts out there. So emergency podcast. He was hired today, Michael. What were your first reactions when you when you saw the news the Jets are hiring Nathaniel Hackett as as the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets? Well, I think the first reaction definitely has to do with, and I guess we'll touch more on this specifically later on, but the first reaction definitely is focused on the quarterback part of it and Aaron Rodgers. But I think we can save some of that for later and we'll just focus on Hackett right now. But um but in terms of him specifically, it was definitely a mixed reaction because and, and I think both of both of us were thinking this when he was mentioned as a candidate. Obviously, unfortunately, we didn't get to do a breakdown on him. Unfortunately, people in Denver have no interest in answering my DMs. So that <laughs> that didn't work. But yeah, it was definitely mixed because you know it there you look at his OC resume and it's I, I would say there's more good than bad on there. The three years in Green Bay were obviously very productive and uh, you know, he had Aaron Rodgers and they had a lot of talent, but they did improve when he was there versus the few years before he was there. And it should when, be noted. It should be noted. He didn't call plays in Green Bay, but he right. did oversee the red zone offense yeah. and helped a lot with the game planning. So, right. Yeah. Important to note what his role in that was. But, you know, they were successful years and they took a step back this year without him. Of course, Devontae Adams leaving also had a big role in that, but did a good job in Green Bay. Jacksonville had a couple years there. Second year was not successful, but first year he brought Blake Bortles to a top five offense in the AFC championship. And that's a huge plus. And then you go back to his Buffalo days and, you know, with no quarterbacks there, he had EJ Manuel, he had Thad uh, Lewis. And then the second year he got a decent year out of Kyle Orton coming off, you know, the street. So, and then those two teams, like those offenses were, they were below average, but they were not atrocious like they're better than this year's jets offense that had a lot more talent than they did so uh, the oc resume is is decent it's respectable but you can't ignore what happened in denver this past year and it's hard not to be concerned about that because 
Uh, obviously, he's now going to take the step back from head coach to OC, and that is completely different. So you're hoping he can separate those two things. But at the same time, still purely looking at on field, the offensive product for the Broncos last season was awful. They are you know, 32nd in scoring. Everyone knows how ghastly they were early in the season when they were playing on primetime every week. Everyone saw it. And, of course, there are, there are other factors in that. Russell Wilson was he was having a terrible season in his own right, just missing open throws, not seeing open receivers. Uh, there were plenty of other issues with that Broncos team. But uh, it was his offense. It was Hackett's offense. And it was it fell well short of expectations. It wasn't just bad, but considering the talent they had, it should have been much better. So it, it's hard to ignore that, despite the fact that it's a it's a different role than he'll be having this year. So there's mixed feelings. There are some good things to like in his resume, but he is one year removed from one of the worst head coaching seasons that really we've seen from anyone in recent history. So it's mixed feelings. Yeah. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I, I don't really look we're recording this the day that he was hired. We obviously did some preliminary research on Hackett. And then after he's been hired, we've read some stuff, but uh, before we dive into the podcasts, like the in-depth ones on Hackett, it's tough to really formulate an exact opinion on him and, and how this hire will go. I think a lot of it definitely hinges on, are the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers? If, if the Jets land Aaron Rodgers, and I, I know Connor Hughes had the tweet, there's a lot of beat guys who are kind of alluding to the fact that, look, Hackett could have sat on a beach for the next few years and collected millions of dollars and taken some time off, which apparently some guys in the, you know, a lot of people around the league, including in the Jets organization, expected him to take some time off. Um, he could have done that, cash some checks, relaxed. Um, but instead he comes to New York under the big spotlight um, to be an offensive coordinator immediately. Would he do that to be the OC for Ryan Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo or Zach Wills? It seems like there are some strong links to, to Aaron Rodgers. So look, right. if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, and again, we'll we'll do a podcast on Rodgers talking about him. Is he falling off? How much did the Jets give up? Whatever. But on the surface, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who would immediately turn the Jets into not just a playoff contender, but a Super Bowl contender would have me very excited. If, however, they don't get Rodgers, and this is just Nathaniel Hackett, and let's say they still land a guy like Derek Carr, I still think there's some potential to be excited about, but I kind of want to dig into it a little bit more. I don't want to just sit on the fence, though, so I'll be honest. When I first read it, there was like a tinge of the same feeling I had when I read that Adam Gase was was hired as the head coach of the Jets a few years ago. Not the same. Not the same. I want to get out in front of that. But there's just a just because of a guy who went down in a, a flaming ball of fury last year and fired in the middle of the season – and, you know, I saw all, all the memes about Nathaniel Hackett. And then, of course, he's the Jets OC hire. But it's been proven, though, that just just because you're a bad head coach doesn't necessarily mean you'd be a bad OC. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in Denver. Like, I mean, Geno Smith just took over for the Seahawks, took over for Russell Wilson and took him straight to the playoffs. I think Russell Wilson is, you know, I don't want to call him a bum or anything, but clearly out of his prime and had a tough year and maybe it wasn't a good fit. Some people have talked about how schematically Hackett likes – you know, a lot of quick stuff over the middle and Russell Wilson's more of a guy who likes to create, take his time, run around. And it maybe wasn't the best of fits. Uh, I also, I think, you know, the first thing that popped in my head with Daniel Hackett was that week one. You seen this clip I'm talking about? I mean, you probably did the week one clipper uh, on the Manning cast where they, they wanted to call a timeout as the clock is yeah, ticking down yeah. and Payne's like, I'd call a timeout here. All right. Uh, call a timeout. Yep. No. All right. Like you keep, they let the clock run down right. all the way and then yeah. they call a timeout. And that was just like right off the bat, a horrible debut for Nathaniel Hackett. But again, that's something he won't have to deal with 
uh, at OC. However, that Denver team was horrendous on offense. And you look at the type of offensive production they were putting up. They actually weren't too bad in the red zone, apparently. I mean, 14th. Um, but look at the points they're scoring, the yards they're getting. That's not something that excites me. And it was kind of like when I looked at Gase when they hired him and you looked at his offensive DVOA for his few seasons in Miami. And it was like, okay, this guy's 23rd, 25th, 24th. Like, okay, he's the offensive guru we're hiring. There's like a little bit of that, but I also don't think it's fair for me to fully broadcast those feelings uh, without acknowledging, look, I haven't really dug too deep into to what his offense will look like. I do have a few, few notes on him, but I want to give it back to you, Michael. Uh, schematically, seems like the Jets are staying um, – within within the same west coast offense uh not divulging too far or diverging too far from what they did under the floor but you know having an experienced guy a guy who's seen like you know seems to be a good communicator obviously rogers loves him and there's a few players who really love him um i, I mean what do you feel like the fit there i mean obviously they brought in keith carter to uh, head up the offensive line and running game coordinator he comes from tennessee you wrote an article was some interesting stuff that was said about him but also seems like a good coach who's gotten a lot out of his unit. I know last year Tennessee's offensive line was not that good, but they also had a lot of injuries. Um, so what do you think about the Jets sticking with the West Coast principles, the zone blocking? We did talk about it a lot in some of the candidate breakdowns, how maybe they should get away from the zone blocking, considering the personnel and the performance they had last year. Um, do, you, do you like the fact that they're going to try to stay in the same mold of, of offense, or, or do you wish that they maybe went in a different direction? Well, first to comment on what you said about the sort of gaze feelings, uh, I did kind of agree with what you said because I sort of felt that too. I think there are similarities in that, you know, as, as you said with Gase, you're hiring this guy coming off of a terrible year and he didn't get that reflection time to, you know, be able to learn from it and come back improved. And obviously, as we saw with Gase, he definitely would have benefited from that or maybe he wouldn't have considering he's not in the league anymore anyway, so... You know, maybe he's just bad. But I hear he's working at Peyton Manning's production company. I saw a tweet about that. Is he? Yeah, he's like, helps who knows what you can believe film for the Adam Gase rumors. He's kind of like, you can't even, no one knows what he's doing. He's very underground, but that would be. I hear he's coaching high school football, actually. Yeah, in, in Michigan. I think that was <laughs> his last role. That is completely true information. Um, but yeah, like having that year off is beneficial. I think we've seen that for coaches in the past. And you know, Hackett, just like Gase, is not going to get that. But the thing that counteracts that is the fact that he is taking the step down in the role. So it's not as if he's fulfilling the same responsibilities that he did with the Bron with the Broncos because he's an OC now instead of the head coach. And that's just significantly less stress and, you know, number of things on your plate. So that is what makes it significantly different than Gase. And then in terms of the previous resume, I would say it's Maybe a little bit better than Gase's because, I mean, Gase was the OC of those, you know, record-setting Broncos offenses. And he did have Peyton Manning, which is similar to how, you know, Hackett had Aaron Rodgers. But I think Hackett had more before the Packers. You know, he's OC in two different places. And I would say did a decent job from what we know in a Buffalo and Jacksonville at exceeding the expectations while Gase was just hanging on those Broncos teams. Because he went to Chicago and didn't do great there either. So, I would say Hackett probably beats him there, but there are similar feelings in terms of like, okay, of all the guys you could hire, you're going with the guy who had the worst year this past season. So there are questions to answer well, in that part. And, it. and it's just like, now, I'm glad that they're not making a decision based off of that, but it's like the, the guy that 
you hire, and if, it, if it's not going well the first two, three weeks of the season, he's going to catch a lot of heat because it's not right. like he's, you know, if they hire like Greg Olson or, you know, I don't even know if they, they apparently they interviewed 15 candidates, but we didn't hear about them interviewing Greg Olson. Uh, who's some of the other guys they interviewed? Or they requested Bevel and Brady. They both declined. They interviewed um, Kevin Batulo. Whatever. Like, let's say they hire Kevin Batulo and the offense isn't doing too well two, three weeks into the season. There would be some heat from the New York media. But there would also be a little bit like give it time, let them try to develop this offense, whatever. If they bring in Hackett and it's not going well within the first month, I mean, the New York media is going to be calling for his head, which honestly, I hope the Jets have learned to tune out the media, um, but still something to consider. And it's kind of like Gase in that sense where it's like you're putting a big bullseye in the back of your head, you know, with, with bringing in this guy. Because if it doesn't go well and it's the ship starts to sink early on, it's going to be very loud. Um, I will say though, you know, if they were hiring Gase and they knew they were going to maybe get Peyton Manning with them, maybe it would have turned out different. So, right. there is but yeah, that. That is, that's <laughs> a big part of this because it that's what all points you back to Aaron Rodgers. And not to get too off topic, because I do want to answer the or you know, kind of discuss what you were bringing up. The West Coast stuff, and yeah. everything, yeah. Um, so we'll get back to that quickly. But I mean, yeah, that is a big part of this because it is a very high pressure situation to jump into when you're coming off of that season. When, like you said, he was always going to get that money from the Broncos. So he could have taken time off, reflected, kind of, you know, learned from the mistakes he made, maybe refine his scheme and his philosophies and stuff and just come back stronger. Let that stuff in Denver marinate. Maybe the Broncos even continuing, you know, continue struggling without him. And it will kind of, you know, take some of the, you know, stink out of that season from him as, you know, the league sees maybe it wasn't this guy. Maybe it was Wilson in that organization. He had, every chance to do all that stuff but he comes right back and is now going to put the pressure on himself to improve upon that year and prove to the league that it was a fluke and that he deserves to step right back up into potentially another head coaching spot so it's a very high pressure situation in this market with a team where the head coach and the general manager are potentially on the hot seat in a playoffs or bust season with a roster that's ready to win so all that stuff you put together and it's hard to imagine he takes that job without knowing who his quarterback is going to be. And not that he can know with 100% certainty that he's going to land Aaron Rodgers, going to get Derek Carr, um, you know, specifically Rodgers. Um, not that he can know 100%, but there has to be a confidence in the building that we're going to get one of these two. Uh, I think specifically one of those two guys. They, they think they're getting Rodgers. Let's just be yeah. honest here. They, I think right. they... I think that, look, he overlapped with Sala, and clearly he has a lot of good relationships around the league. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he knocked the interviews out of the park. He seems like a very personable guy, a guy who's funny, who likes to relate to his players, and a, generally a nice guy, which does scare me a little bit because I hope, you know, I hope that Sala can see through all that and really judge a guy based off his coaching ability. But he did point out that, you know, he's an innovative teacher. There's a lot of stuff to like. Um, but let's be honest here. The hire was made with, with Rodgers in mind. I mean – I feel like that's pretty, you know, point Blake obvious. I mean, they, they might not get him, you know, and, and then like you said, maybe they, they pivot to a Derek Carr, Jimmy G, and and it, it might all work out. But I think a large part of this hire is, is bringing yeah. in Aaron Rodgers. And I, I don't think there's – that's it's not a controversial opinion at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's wrap up with that. There's so much to discuss. Let's make that our last topic. I want to get to the scheme thing because I feel like we're <laughs> – We're jumping all over around. the I mean – Let's do the scheme All right, fine. Scheme fine. Right West right, Coast – we're sticking with that, there was a thought that, you know, we can maybe go to a different scheme because they interviewed guys from all over the place, different offenses, different backgrounds. But we end up kind of coming back to the same coaching tree with Hackett. You know, he worked with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. Um, he even overlapped with uh, 
not that this relates to the scheme part of it, but he did overlap with uh, Sala in Jacksonville yeah. for two years. While, uh, you know, Hackett was the OC, Sala was the linebackers coach. Um, even with, um, uh, or was this, no, the O-line coach, he overlapped with uh, Olbrick, Jeff Olbrick yeah. in and Atlanta. Sala. And Sala um, in Seattle, uh, Carter was the defensive or offensive quality control coach. Sala was the defensive. So there is a lot of overlapping here. Um, but yeah, schematically, looks like we're going to stick with that West Coast wide zone. And I don't think it's a bad move. I like the openness to switching it. I think there are some reasons to think this offense, the players they have in place could have been better in a different scheme, specifically looking at the way they ran the ball last year. It felt like, you know, maybe some power running concepts might have been better to be the basis of the offense because I liked how various guys were at polling and you know, I felt like some of the zone plays, they didn't have as much athleticism and chemistry to run it well. But with another, you know, season with some of these guys playing together and hopefully uh, they invest in some talent on that offensive line to improve it, um, maybe they can step it up. And, you know, I think chemistry is a big part of wide zone running. It's just knowing like, all right, this guy is on the front side. Should I take him? Should I pass him off? Or the guy to my backside is you know, the guy to my right, is he going to pass him to me or should I help him out before climbing? There's a lot of that stuff and it just didn't feel like the chemistry was there. So maybe it's a new O-line coach, more uh, continuity with all these guys in the same place. They can improve in that area. But um, look at the O-line coach. He's an interesting hire because you mentioned Hackett being, seems like he's in that, you know, nice guy kind of side of the spectrum. Like we know Robert Sala is, and it, it really feels like the coaching staff has, a lot of positivity, a lot of player-friendly guys. Uh, but this guy, Keith Carter, the villain. O-line coach slash run game coordinator, he is the villain in the room. Um, <laughs> I was researching him. You know, I was looking at his roles and stuff, and I Googled Titans player speaks about Keith, Car- uh, Keith Carter. And the first thing that comes up is Taylor Luan does not like Keith Carter. Well, and- you know, he, he, he I don't know about that. The quote he I gives, mean, he kind of is like, you know, we had an up-and-down relationship. He, it was pretty critical. I mean – he did say he improved, but he said, um, to quote what he said, um, specifically uh, talking about when Carter came in, he said he was very disrespectful, very authoritative, but in a very dictatorship type of way. Oh boy. He says he had impossible standards, and sometimes as a player, you just want to pat on the back, and you never truly get that uh, with Carter. So, And he talked about his practices, too. He said... He wished he took better care of the older players. He said the practices are hard. They wear in your body. They wear your tires out really fast, and you could see it towards the end of the season sometimes. Yeah, so that, that's it, that's the sound of Dwayne Brown retiring. It was a lot of criticism. Yeah, like you said, maybe they hired him to. Uh, we need that cap space from Dwayne Brown. Let's find a way to push him out of yeah, here. So. I'm also sure Lakin will love him. I mean, I'll and be that, honest. There's there's enough pat no, in the but back the, yeah, going, going around. I, I agree. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know. There's a lot of player-friendly coaches in here. Salah has everyone's back. Hackett is, you know, making Austin Powers references, <laughs> renaming the Gold Zone. So there's there's a lot of you know good energy in there. I think some you know a tough love coach in the mix can kind of balance it out a little bit, especially on that O line with the discipline and the communication last season, specifically Lakin Tomlinson, who's now going into what is essentially a kind of a contract year because they'll have more room to cut him next year. It's probably not going to happen this year, but next year he's playing to stay on a very lucrative contract. So he will be more motivated and he struggled this year. So maybe a coach like this is what he needs. Although the, what Luan said about the practices isn't 
super ideal, but maybe this is the type of coach they need to bounce the personalities out a little bit, especially O-line, which is one of the more, you know, of all the positions on the field. I mean, you need to be aggressive and tough at all of them, but this is one where it's really just about, you know, tenacity and aggressiveness and having a mean streak and all that. So maybe we're getting some more of that with Keith Carter coming into the building. And the Tennessee O-lines were pretty good for the most part. They It was bad this year, but everyone was injured, so you can't really judge it. But prior to that, I mean, it was consistently solid, and that was always a gritty run-first football team the past few years. And as good as Derrick Henry is, you can't do that without – a good O-line as well. So I like this hire. There's, there's risk with him. There's, it seems like there's some volatile potential, but uh, considering the makeup of the rest of the staff, I think he's a good balance in terms of coaching style. Uh, Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, we were making jokes about it beforehand, but yeah, it is. It's like, there are a lot of pats on the back going around on this Jets coaching staff. So I don't mind having a, a bad cop to go along with the good cop. And also it did sound like he improved at player relations as his time went on, it wasn't just Luan bashing him. Yeah, it kind of, it yeah. sounded like some constructive criticism, but also mixed in with, you know, this guy did grow and, you know, they seem to respect each other a little bit more nowadays. So, um, I, I but I look, I agree with you I'm, on paper. I love that hire because I know a lot of people are going to look at the Titans offensive line this past year. And it's like, you look at the injuries they suffered and honestly just the talent that they had on that unit. It's hard to really blame them. But before that, it's like consistently had top rushing attacks, consistently had above average offensive lines and look i know they had derrick henry but it's like hey the jets have Brees hall <laughs> it's like you want to talk about a guy who knew how to maximize derrick henry because it's also like it wasn't like people kind of forget that it wasn't like derrick henry uh got drafted and immediately was derrick henry i'm trying to remember what did he break out his third year or was it his, the end of his yeah, second his year third year the first i think two years they had demarco murray and what year was like that he's behind him 2015 um, and or 2016 and 17 so I guess he'd already he'd already broken out by the time that um, that Carter got there, but uh, it was the same year. So 2018, oh, he, Carter got there. That was Henry's first thousand yard season. So well, there two years go. before that. So it's like, yeah, you can you He's can entirely responsible to... for Derrick Henry. That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> he built Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, I mean, no, obviously Derrick Henry's a supremely talented athlete and an amazing football player but it's like i believe that the jets have a potentially generational running back in Brees hall assuming he comes back healthy and it's like i like the fact that you're going to go and get somebody who has a proven track record of getting the most out of um out of a, a great running back and i think that's the thing about this hire too uh it's very clear philosophically what sala wanted and what the jets are going to try to do and that's run the football i mean obviously they believed in a balanced passing attack especially a balanced offense and especially if they go get aaron Rodgers you'll see plenty of passes uh, in 2023. But I think philosophically they wanted somebody who they knew wasn't going to get too pass happy like the floor did at times. Um, somebody who believed in, in balancing the pass and the run, somebody who believed in, in Hackett, who, uh, you know, in my preliminary research, does a lot of disguising and trying to make passes and runs look the same from a formation perspective, using motion, uh, using 12 personnel and, you know, I think when you have an OC who believes in the run and commits the run, um, obviously you still need to be able to throw the football, but that is a proven winning formula if you have a good defense. And the Jets saw that the first half of their season, and then obviously they lose Brees, they lose AVT, they lose, lose that edge of their offense, and it fell off. But pairing an elite defense with a great running game, it's a, it's a, a formula that we've seen the Jets have success with. And I think it's a formula you're going to see them try to follow. Now, look, if they can go and get an Aaron Rodgers or, hey, even a Derek Carr or whatever – He's still going to want to be able to pass the football, but 
being able to rely on a run first option for an offense is, is fantastic. And I think philosophically, that's where you see the jets going. What do you think about the potential for the jets running offense, getting Brees Hall back, getting AVT back and hell getting a guy, Mackay Becton back, who it sounds like is going to play left tackle. So that's, I mean, that's what he's tweeting out on Twitter. And then I saw another report that says that's probably, they were going to try to play him. I don't know if they're going to rely on him as a starter, who knows, but we'll throw him in here. Getting three big movers in the run game back and Saul even uh, alluding to revamping the offensive line this offseason. I mean, point blank said, he said two things that were kind of you know, like obvious, but kind of eyebrow raising. Like, we're going to go get a veteran qu- quarterback and we're going to revamp this offensive line. Very point blank about it. So what do you think about the, the potential for this Jets running game, what it might look like? Well, it seems like the pieces are coming together to really be a run first kind of team. I mean, Hackett does have a history of building those types types of offenses he did it in jacksonville in 2017 when they were the number one rushing team when they went to the afc title game that's how they were able to work around blake bortles and put him in a better spot to be successful and then i'm looking back at his first season against the bills or with the bills um as their oc and he had them at second in rushing and that's when they had um ej manuals their starting quarterback that lewis played a few games and that team ended up at 19th in total offense, 22nd in scoring with pretty much no talent at all because <laughs> their leading receiver was Scott Chandler, the tight end. Ooh. Exactly. So uh, that's kind of impressive. And like you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, 22nd, 19th, all this. But then you consider the talent. And I think that is you Scott know, Chandler. beating the expectations. I remember I had him on one of my first fantasy teams. That, I don't even when I was younger. That one, I don't even remember. That's kind of rare i feel like i can remember the the really random players but scott chandler does not ring a single bell yeah so there you go i mean so he does have a history of uh building these run first offenses and it seems like that's what the jets want to do they want to be tough and physical and you know michael floor was not really able to do that and that wasn't his background he was the pass game coordinator in san francisco not the run game so um so you got to run first kind of guy and hack it um who has a tight ends background as well and quarterbacks uh well the uh, actually the uh, offensive line coach that's what i was thinking about he has sort of a tight end background he played tight end in college hack is quarterback guy obviously but um uh, although he did coach quarterbacks and tight ends at syracuse his first year so between both of those guys some tight end background which is you know kind of run game centric because you know they're essentially part of the offensive line so you got becton coming back avt coming back Brees coming back and as you said with keith carter he was part of that Tennessee team that was very run first and got the most out of a talented uh, running back in Derrick Henry. So he knows what it's like to win with that sort of mentality to get the most out of running back. And that's not to say that Jets are going to be the Titans because might be getting Aaron Rodgers, um, but just knowing how to get the most or being a part of a team that knows how to get the most out of a you know top tier talented running back. And um, when you need to run the ball, being able to do that and consistently create holes and just put your runner in good positions to be successful. So it looks like there's the pieces of a good running game coming together here. We'll see if they can actually execute it. It comes down to the O-line, the talent, and the health on that unit. And they're going to have to yeah. they're going to have to make some moves too because you know, can you rely on Becton as a starter? I, I think there is a world where you can pencil him in, but then you got to bring somebody back like George Fant or sign somebody who you can rely on as a starter if Becton goes down. Then it's like, all right, I, Lakin's probably back at, at left guard for another year. McGovern's a free agent. Maybe you move on. Maybe you bring him back. Right guard, I think 
probably AVT, but then you could also make the argument, maybe you try to pencil an AVT as right tackle. You bring back Herbig, and then depending on the draft, you can maybe push back AVT. And so, you know, they're going to have to make a lot of moves on that, on that offensive line. Um, so there's obviously a lot of work to be done. But like you said, there are pieces of a a good offense here and a really good run game. And then I think, you know, out, out wide with the weapons, I, I'm, I'm hopeful he can get a little bit more out of the tight ends. It is a really good tight end draft class, so maybe they draft another one to try to pair um, with Rucker, Conklin, and Uzama. Um, at receiver, I mean, not to like go through the whole offseason preview, but in terms of a guy who does have connections with Nathaniel Hackett, somebody to consider is Alan Lazard. Um, you know, I, I think that when you read about Hackett's offense, he obviously believes in running the football, and I think having receivers who can run block is going to be important to him. And so I like Corey Davis. I, I just think the the one thing that's holding me back from saying the Jets should just bring Corey Davis back is the health concerns. I mean, he's always injured. And the best ability is availability. It's not like Lazard has been flawlessly healthy his entire career either, but he's been on the field a little bit more. He overlaps with Hackett. I just figured I'd throw him out there as a, as a name. But regardless, you know, you, you start to picture this offense. And, you know, a lot of it depends on the quarterback. But you start to picture this offense. You know what type of defense they have. They're obviously going to make some uh, improvements. Let's Let's get into it, Michael. Let's say they bring in Aaron Rodgers, right? I feel like... Obviously, the optimism around these parts are going to be very high. The Jets are immediately a Super Bowl contender. Is that wrong to say? Oh, I don't think so. I think they're definitely going to. I right now, actually, at least the last time I saw someone tweet about it, it they had the tenth best Super Bowl odds. I think is at DraftKings um, for next year. So could put another five dollar bet right now. Vegas is already on it right now with the Jets, and it went up. I think after they got Hackett. So they they know what's coming. I I believe this this hire really does. And then hearing Rogers talk, I mean, not that I would read too much into this, but you know, hearing Rogers talk about the Jets' offense and Zach Wilson a little bit, I really do think that they they will go after Rogers and that he will be a Jet. That is my gut feeling as of right now. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense too if you still believe a little bit in Aaron, in Zach Wilson, because who better to have mentor Zach Wilson than his his idol. <laughs> You know, you give Zach a chance to rehabilitate, sit behind a guy in Aaron Rodgers, just like Rodgers did early in his career, let him develop. And then, but you know, let's say Rodgers plays two years, he retires, you know, you have to work out the contract stuff with Zach, but then maybe Zach's ready to be a starting quarterback, or maybe it's just a year or maybe Rodgers gets, who knows, but you know, that's only one facet of it. I just think that's interesting. But the main part is bringing in a guy of Aaron Rodgers' caliber, even if he's 39, even if he's not a 30-year-old Aaron Rodgers, you're a Super Bowl contender with this defense, with these weapons, with this potential of a running game we're talking about. You know, it's not going to have to be the Aaron Rodgers show carrying his entire team like I feel like he's done in Green Bay the last decade. You know, how many has Green Bay ever had a defense even close to what the Jets have been this past year? No. You know, is Green Bay Green Bay's had okay offensive players. At times, you know, they've had Aaron Jones. They've had some running game, But it's like, you know, if the Jets really be- be- beef up this run game with Brees Hall and Becton's healthy and AVT's back, and it's like, has he ever been surrounded by a running game like that? No. And then he has a guy in Garrett Wilson who's proving to be, at least as a rookie, a bona fide receiver number one. So you put all those pieces together and obviously thinking about the compensation and having to pay him and the ramifications and all the, and the risk involved, whatever. All that aside, Michael, this is the best chance for the Jets to win a Super Bowl next year. And what's the point of this if you're not trying to win Super Bowls? There's an argument to be made. Maybe you play it a little slower. You go for a Derek Carr, you know, who's maybe a more medium-range quarterback, but you save – I mean, 
I don't really know if, how much money you save considering Carr is going to be owed $40 million if you pay for him or trade for him. Um, but there's an argument to be made going a different route than Aaron Rodgers, but at face value, Michael, he makes him a Super Bowl contender. And it's, it's you know, maybe you're mortgaging a little bit of your future, but, you know, we have to do an Aaron Rodgers pod and really get into it. But your gut reaction, though, to potentially the Jets bringing in Aaron Rodgers, is are you excited? Are you nervous? How much do you think the Jets have to give up? I mean, how are you kind of feeling about the potential of Aaron Rodgers being a New York Jet? Because it feels like today it got a lot more realistic. I would say it's probably more excitement than anything else, but I would be lying if I said it was 100% excitement and there were no nerves involved in it because I think there's definitely a a degree of risk to it. If you're creating an all-in Super Bowl window kind of situation where maybe it's two years, maybe it's one year, but you know it's no no more than those two years. And uh, yeah, when you're doing that, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to win now build a roster that can win now even if you have to sacrifice long-term cap situation or draft picks or all those things uh it really shrinks the window i I think and may potentially hurt their ability to build something sustained long-term um not that you know it takes away from you know you still have sauce gardner garrett wilson quinn williams all these guys who will hopefully be here long beyond rogers so you still have those core pieces and not like it's not as if it changes that, but it definitely changes the pace of the build and kind of hastens everything to where it's like, we're trying to do this right now. It does not matter what happens in 25 and 26, any of those years. It's about right now, which is exciting. Absolutely. Because don't get me wrong, like 12 years in a row with no playoffs and everything we've been through, sign me up. I'm like, don't misinterpret this as me not being excited or not wanting to do that. I would love it. But at the same time, there is that fear in the back of your mind. If this doesn't go right, there is some risk here versus like a Derek Carr situation where there is still some risk, but it's not as much of a trade investment or as much of a cap investment or kind of long-term hurting yourself or taking a risk kind of thing versus an Aaron Rodgers where it's all in right now. So uh, yeah, there is some fear in the back of your mind in terms of like this could go wrong. And obviously there's the age, there's the production decline he just had. Um, there's the can he stay durable? And he's mostly a dur- durable guy. But one of the main excuses for his production this past season was that thumb. And, you know, there's that part of it. So there are a lot of concerns for sure. And those all come to mind when I think of this. But at the same time, this is potentially the most I wouldn't say greatest quarterback ever. I would give that to Brady personally, but it's not number one. Skill-wise, he might be number one. And however you want to look at it, he's probably at worst top five. So to have that guy in this team who was just two years removed from back-to-back MVPs was still an above-average solid quarterback this year in a situation that wasn't great with overturn in the coaching staff, um, two rookie receivers starting, and you know, in addition to that, Alan Lazard, who I know you mentioned – signing him but i don't think he's too amazing i mean sauce destroyed him in that one game although he does that to everybody but nevertheless <laughs> uh, not not the great situation he was still very solid and he's had years like this before where they wondered you know is he done he's declining uh, and then he just bounces back and has more dominant year so one of the great quarterbacks ever you're instantly a super bowl contender with this defense with these weapons um and just looking at what the team did this year and imagining what an average quarterback would have, you know, the position they would be in. And now you put an Aaron Rodgers and it's like, there's no limit to the ceiling, especially you 
pair him up with Nathaniel Hackett, who of all the offensive coordinators he's played with in his career, he's the highest passer rating with Hackett out of any of them at uh, 108.3. I did this research earlier. I have a lot of things to do in my life. Um, that uh, Give me the time to do to do this. But um, yeah, so there's, <laughs> there's a lot of potential. And I would be excited more than anything. So, but there's risk in, in the back of your mind for sure. Well, the risk, honestly, I mean, in terms of trading for him and we have to do a little bit more research on, on the cap numbers, but from what I'm seeing, if they trade from the cap that they'd only take on this past year, it'd be like 15 million and the next year would be 32 million. The problem would be that you kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. Right. I'm yeah. sure you could, you know, whether or not he retires or you give, you know, restructure it to try to push the money out over the course of, of multiple years. But I think you still own like 50 million in 2025 and 40 yeah. million in 2026. Um, so you'd it have is extremely complicated. I don't even want to pretend I know I, that was... much about it, but it's, I've never seen a contract like this. That is this many stipulations. If you trade him before June, uh, before June 1st, trade him after June 1st, if he retires, if you cut him all these different things and you know, there's an option bonus, there's signing bonus money that could be spread out all the, all these different things. It's very hard to decipher but i think the bottom line is basically what you said to where you trade for him and the packers take some of it on and your cap hit these first two years is not that bad it's like you said 15.8 this year i believe so he doesn't kill you immediately and then next year i think it's 33 which again is not bad for a starter it's and then and then then he probably retires right then and then he most likely retires and i think that's when it starts to come in. I think you're still going to be on the hook for 25 uh, or something like that the next couple right. years, or it might even be more than that. So it's very complicated, which is and tough. It's hard, which to, is tough to because, decipher, but uh, but yeah, that's the part of it. Which is tough because the Jets have all these young guys that they're right. going to want to pay, that are going to want extensions after year three and after year four. Uh, they can still do it, you know. Um, they'll have the fifth year options on Sauce and Garrett and and whatnot. So I think they can probably get those contracts to, to hit right after a, a theoretical Rogers trade. And yeah, I think he retired and then they would probably work something out. Um, but they would have to eat a large amount of dead money in 25 and, and maybe even 26. Um, but you know, they can work around it. I, I don't think it's the same level of, of the Rams selling their soul for a Super Bowl because you still have, you know, hopefully you have a guy maybe in Zach Wilson that could maybe take the baton from him, although that's nothing to count on. Um, and I still feel like because he doesn't sink you these these uh, immediate two years, um, you're able to to build a gr- really good team around him. And it's like, let's be honest, the Jets would sell their souls for a Super Bowl. I, w- I mean, like, I would sell from 2025 to 2030 all last place finishes to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that would even do that. It just means that okay, maybe maybe you have to trade a Garrett Wilson or maybe you have to, I don't even, that's, you know, completely hypothetical. Maybe he retires and maybe you can only re-sign sauce and Garrett and Quinn. And, you know, you just make, hopefully you draft well these next few seasons. Um, who knows? But yeah, you would feel the ramifications a few years from now, but it's not egregious. It's not ridiculous. You know, it's not an insane ask for a team to trade for him. The compensation in the trade would be interesting. I mean, I know there's the port of two first rounders, I don't know about that, but I could see a first this year and a second next year, and maybe you throw in a a player, you know, not not, not anybody crazy, but a Corey Davis or, you know, worst. I mean, worst case scenario, maybe an Elijah Moore. I don't know. I don't know what you're necessarily throwing in, but I don't. I don't know if I see two first round picks, um, and I don't. I don't know if I also see the Jets parting with their first and second this year. I feel like they'd want to keep 
the second or one of these picks this year. Um, so who knows what the compensation will look like? Obviously, we will do a pod on on Rogers. We'll do obviously the next podcast coming out will be Hackett. We'll probably do one of the O line coach. So we'll have a lot more in depth pods that'll kind of give us a better sense of the landscape. But the initial feeling when seeing Hackett is there's some reservation. You dig into his resume. There's some stuff to like. You know, you dig into what you hear about him as a coach and as a player and as as a player as a coach and as a person. There's a lot to like there. Seems like a funny guy. Seems like a personable guy. But the Denver year is concerning. And then the question is: is okay if you don't get Rogers. How do you feel about this hire? And I'll ask you that, Michael, right now. I mean, if they don't land Rogers, you know, let's say Rogers retires or Rogers decides to go to Green Bay or, you know, he doesn't have a no trade clause. So maybe a team like the Colts offers the fifth pick in the draft or something. And, um, and Packers are like, well, sorry, but we're trading you to Indianapolis. And then the Jets are left at the altar because also, you know, they have to make the decision about Derek Carr three days after the Super Bowl. And I bet you that Aaron Rodgers' decision isn't happening until officially happening until um march i mean let's be honest we'll probably know around the scouting combine when everybody converges in indianapolis what exactly is going to be happening with aaron Rodgers. but you know the the fact of the matter is that their car's decision is going to have to be made three days after the super bowl so if you think you're getting rogers you're probably not trading for car so either a team trades for him best case scenario gets cut so he's still in the ether if they miss out on Rodgers, but let's say a team like the commanders trades for Carr, then you get to March and let's say, you know, a team like the Colts really goes all in on, on Rogers. I don't know if that would happen, but hypothetical here and the jets miss out on Rogers or he retires or whatever. Then how are you feeling about this hire? <laughs> you know, then it's all right, Jimmy G Tannehill. He's got the familiarity with the O-line run game coordinator, Ugh, you know, let's like not talk about those options. And then you got Hackett who, very well may end up being a good OC. And, you know, the cool thing is, too, is if he is a good OC, I doubt he's getting a head coaching job <laughs> in the next few seasons. So if he if he works out, you're going to have some continuity probably. Um, it could still work out, but the optics of, of bringing in Rodgers, I feel like is why there's a lot of optimism right now on Jets Twitter. Because I bet you if he wasn't connected to Rodgers or if Rodgers wasn't a realistic possibility, I feel like there'd be a lot more negativity on the hiring of Hackett uh, deserved or undeserved, just based off Denver. So my question to you, though, if they don't get Rodgers, I mean, how are you feeling about this hire? Well, I, I think <laughs> there would be a lot more negativity around it, but I think that also is present in the Jets building because I don't know if they would bring him in if this wasn't a part of it. So it's, again, it's very hard to sit here and say they know they're going to get him because tampering exists yeah be the most jets thing ever to lose to lose a pick not only trading right. for rogers but tampering <laughs> yeah so it's hard to say like that they know with certainty but i'm like how do you think that sort of conversation goes is it like hey paul like do you still did i say paul, paul? like that that's his, his dad, dad. Paul Hackett. you were even watching the jets then there you go i'm a jets historian that's how you know um i'm actually not i looked that up right before we start this yeah, what start years this. he was the oc um, exactly <laughs> Um, somehow that got in my head. But anyway, so how do you think that conversation went? Like, hey, Nathaniel, are you still cool with Aaron? You have a good relationship with him. How confident are you? You could get him here. And what do you think that situation is like? Do you think he's going to leave? How likely is it? The, like, how I do you think, think that the, went? Here's the, here's the part of the equation that nobody's really talking about. And also why my whole hypothetical about um, the Packers trading Rodgers away from the Jets or whatever and them getting screwed won't happen. It's either the Jets only get screwed if Rodgers – retires or really just decides to stay in green Bay. But if they trade him, he's a jet because not only is there the Hackett Rogers connection, 
Salah's best friend is Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers. He knows what's up. He has his finger on the pulse of, of what's going on in Green Bay and what their relationship is like and what the Packers are planning to do. And I'm not going to say the Packers would trade him at a discount to the Jets or anything like that, but because those two have such a good working relationship, I know he just fired his brother, so you know there's a little bit of that. But it sounds like LaFleur, Mike LaFleur is going to land on his feet as the OC of the Rams, so I, I doubt there's too many hard feelings there. But because Sala and Matt LaFleur are best friends, I, I do firmly believe that – they have their finger on the pulse. They kind of had uh, have an understanding of the direction the Packers want to go in. I think they probably have a, through Hackett, who sounds like he's very close with Aaron Rodgers, probably have a, a sense of direction Rodgers wants to go in. These guys all talk. And I know the Dolphins got in trouble with tampering. The Jets have to be careful here because there are a lot of tea leaves here to read. Um, but I agree. I, I do think this was a move. I don't think it's the sole reason he was hired because I, then it's like, all right, you're just hiring a you know a trophy wife to try to lure in Aaron Rodgers. I do think legitimately there are a lot of reasons to like Hackett, and he does check a lot of boxes, and there's some reasons to believe that he could be a great OC and, and just have been a bad head coach. But with that said, given the connections between the two franchises, given the Jets' need for a veteran quarterback, given the chance or given the, the situation that, hey, the Jets could go all in and try to get a Super Bowl this year, um, I think this move was made knowing that that Rogers is coming to New York. That's, that's just my opinion. Like, I don't know anything, but that I just feel like the tea leaves are there. And because the two coaches are close, they know you've seen a lot of B reporters hinted stuff. It just, it feels like this is what's going to happen. And I'm excited for it. You know, we have to dig into, to Rogers a little bit more and see, you know, how much has he declined? But like you said, he's had down years and come back from it, but I don't know. I think that conversation was, was, I don't know maybe more open-ended about, okay, how could you work with Carr? What's your plan for Zach Wilson? But I feel like there was a lot of Aaron Rodgers discussions. Yeah. That's going a good on. point about LaFleur. Cause I think there's like a connection there to where they talk every Salah Sunday. Can, right. Exactly. Like what was that during the Jacksonville game? Yeah. They, they watched the, they yeah. watch the game. Yeah. They together. go, they watch each other's games all the time. They talk yeah. constantly. They're the best man at each other's wedding. If anybody knows what's going on with what the Packers plans are, it's Matt LaFleur and maybe what Rogers plans. are. It's like, there's just too much here going on. It right. Yeah. Feels so, like... so that is a good point to where Salah has probably has that pulse in a way where, you know, it's not quite tampering, but he also kind of knows what's going on. So, you know, having that connection, it's kind of like how the jets and the Colts always make those trades. Cause they have Rex Hogan, you know, he probably still has connections with the Colts. So, you know, guys talk in the league and, you know, I mean, different magnitude. Yeah. Was about here, but, but, um, yeah, it's but pretty it, no, similar it's just, to Rex Hogan trading. Yeah. Like the, um, Quincy for, Wilson trade. Yeah. Thomas Hennessy. Uh, <laughs> well, no, it's just like, it kind of shows you yeah, the connections in the league can facilitate trades. It's more what I was right. trying to say, but, uh, but yeah, Sal is a good point with Matt LaFleur. So maybe that's part of it. But I think also, like you said, they're preparing for the possibility it doesn't happen because this is Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what he's thinking? For a guy who speaks publicly very often, it's hard to gauge what his plans are. But um, so you never know what he's gonna do, and he could pull the rug out from underneath you any day. So I'm sure they did ask Hackett, you know, how would you work with Derek Carr, um, Jimmy G, all these other guys. Hopefully we don't get to Jimmy G. I would just like Carr or Rogers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure they. If, they, if they, they miss out on on Rogers, I think Jimmy yeah, G is probably the most likely guy. Cars, Seems like a good fit in the offense like too. If you're, you're going to make the the play for Rodgers, it's you got to skip on Carr because that's going to happen first, most likely. Um, so it's like it's kind of Rodgers or bust if you're going for Rodgers. 
that's that's the the tricky part of it. Why you really gotta Tana. feel good about it? Because if you don't get him, it's I guess you gotta go Jimmy G, and that is just not exciting to be frank with the injury issues, the way that Brock Purdy just stepped in there and is significantly outperforming him. If, you know, Maybe they do worse matching him. Maybe Tanhill, but he's older, has injury issues, and was kind of a system quarterback in Tennessee. So I don't. I don't know. One thing, Those, one thing this OC hire yeah. does rule out, in my opinion, maybe not. I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I don't see Lamar going to play for Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I, I don't see that either, definitely. Just schematically, he's a run game confirms. guy. I mean. uh, it is a run game, but like, seems like, you know, this scheme might not be the best. Doesn't want to play for, for hip hop like, enthusiast Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. You see that? That as well. There's nothing yeah, wrong yeah, with that. I tweeted that it out up. and I was getting yeah. a lot of hate. Like, why are you making fun of it? Was just, I thought it was funny. He's. He's a hip hop enthusiast. He's coaches his daughter. He's a dance dad. You know, he's a cool guy, I guess. Just thought it was funny. Y'all cool look guy. at him. Looks like Homer Simpson. I mean, it doesn't. But this is what we're talking about. Why Keith Carter is huge. You have a dance dad as your OC. <laughs> you need to balance that out a little bit and get the dictator in there. So, so you got some, you know, diversity here. You got <laughs> dance dad at OC. You got a dictator as the O line coach. Just all the who are they, they going to bring in as the as the senior? Uh, Greg Naprol. Apparently, that they're still looking for somebody to bring in. Is maybe they bring in somebody as the passing game coordinator, which would be interesting to have a guy like Hackett oversee it all, and then have a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator. Maybe um, uh, this kind of just popped into my mind because this team is still playing. Maybe they haven't been able to do it. But how about Brian Johnson? Maybe that would be an elevation for him. Yeah, or or Marcus Brady. Marcus Brady as well. I I could see a uh, you know one of those guys getting passing game coordinator role. Uh, yeah, I bet you it, pro- it probably would table. be somebody from the Eagles because they interviewed Brady, they interviewed Petulo, they interviewed Brian Johnson. Although I guess those guys don't hit the veteran uh, part of the equation. Brady does. But, uh, what was we? I know we did the podcast and you were kind of sold on Brady a little bit, but his background. Just I pull it up. I know he was in the CFL for a little bit, but yeah, he's in the CFL a while. Um, in the two years with the Colts, he was a QB coach for the Colts for two. I mean, he kind of would fit the. Who are the most veteran guys? They. Like, spoke to among the names that we that know rumored, that we know uh, chad o'shea or whatever O'Shea. Yeah. i would imagine they probably did speak to greg olson but maybe he was just a zoom interview and not a guy who ran the uh what did they call it uh, his disaster offense in miami i forgot what oh yeah some yeah. player had it yeah <laughs> but, uh, that out. was uh th- that guy doesn't have a great resume either so i i don't know that would be interesting to see if they fill it out because he did say they want someone to fill the role that Greg Knapp initially was supposed to play. So to find that veteran mind who could, you know, contribute to the passing game, maybe quarterback a little bit. Um, maybe Hackett should have been in that role for being honest. Uh, so we'll see what they well, do. With that. I bet you, yeah, I bet you they hire a QB coach slash passing game coordinator. Um, Hackett had Clint Kubiak, who I, who also I think interviewed for the OC job, didn't he? He did. Yeah. But I don't know if he fits the bill as a experienced you know, yeah. overseer of the offense, um, which leads me to believe they will probably go with. Um, I, I, I like the idea of, of a Marcus Brady. That really does. I mean, I feel like he would take the, a QB coach and, and passing and coordinator. I don't know. Somebody like that, though, or Greg Olson or somebody like that um, to bring him and then I guess hack it overseas it. The one thing I'm a little concerned about would be the play calling because you look, you sound like he's been good in the red zone and he's personable, maybe a good teacher, but play calling wasn't that good and i know his dad's play calling was questionable too maybe it runs in the family 
But um, I, we got to go back. We'll, as we said, our next podcast will be very in depth on on Hackett. Uh, maybe we'll speak to a number of different guests, try to get a sense of his uh, tenure in Jacksonville and Buffalo, and I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I do want to get a better sense of on what he's like as a play caller, and there's a few other things before you know. I really have a feeling on it, but my gut feeling is is optimism because. But I feel like a lot of that is tied to Aaron Rodgers. So. Without Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's like, all right, I trust Salah. I really hope he made the, the right hire. I know they interviewed a lot of guys. Um, I don't know. I feel – I'll say this because I know I made the Gase comparison at the beginning of the pod. I feel a lot better than I did the night they hired Gase as head coach. I should just point that out. Just there was a similarity in terms of their previous failures. But with that said, Michael, um, we're well, recording well, this. Quickly, I yeah, guess. Let me, let me say what my thoughts would be. Uh, if they didn't get Rodgers. Oh, um, well, I mean, comparing it to that. So if they do get Rodgers, I would say um, uh, sort of what I described earlier. It would be excitement, most of all, because it's like, I mean, the Jets are going to be an attraction. They're going to get so many national TV games. And there's good and bad that comes with that territory. You get to be in the conversation. You get to have haters of your team. No one's going to want the Jets to win. You get to play the villain role, go compete for Super Bowl. But also, if you lose, everyone's going to be on you. So, it's sort of going to be like that. It's going to be excitement that the Jets will have a legitimate Super Bowl chance. Uh, and that's not even just fan excitement. I think it is certainly a Super Bowl caliber roster if you add Aaron Rodgers to it. So excitement, but at the same time, there's there's risk involved there and there's some downside. So it would be a mix, but I'd be like, all right, let, let's go do this thing. For once, we're ready to go make a run as we go into the season. Um, so that's if they get him. If they don't, or let's say they get Derek Carr, then it's you know probably not as high of a ceiling in terms of the excitement, more wait and see in terms of like what the ceiling is. But I feel pretty good about that. And then there'd probably be less risk in terms of how many how many chips you're putting into the middle of the table with that. If they don't get Rodgers or Carr, then uh, I would wouldn't be thrilled. And it would be you know wait and see mode. Let's see if Hackett can prove that as an OC he can separate himself. From what he did as a head coach that with the you know the weapons they have hopefully you can find something to get the best out of those guys and whoever they get a quarterback get the most out of him too like he did with Blake Bortles back in Jacksonville and some of those Buffalo quarterbacks so um yeah if they don't get Rodgers or Carr though it's definitely shaky and you look back and wonder could they have made a better hire if you take out the Aaron Rodgers part of it like I'll hoping s- he lures him in I'll say this though because I don't know if this is the last thing, because we I don't know if we really touched on this. Who could they have hired that we would have been ecstatic about? Right. Because Hackett has the scary part of Denver associated with him. But outside of that, his resume is probably the best. I mean, let's let's be honest. The Denver job was was that the most attractive head coaching spot last last cycle, would you say? Am I it forgetting? Was probably up there. It was definitely yeah. up there. And and Hackett was talked about as a future head coach for a while. And he I mean, he was a hot shot. Higher. It wasn't like he was just like, oh, they hired him nepotism and just to try to lure Aaron Rodgers. Like, obviously, that was maybe part of it, like we're talking about here. But, he, you know, he was a, a head coach. He was going to be hired by somebody that cycle. I mean, he was a top-notch head coaching candidate. And then he's a guy who falls flat in his face. Everything blows up with Russell Wilson. And now he's the OC. But you compare that resume, it's like, all right, if they announce Marcus Brady and podcast aside, I know we, we liked him after that. But it's like, is the fan base juvenated by Marcus Brady? You know, is is the fan base rejuvenated right. by Kevin Batulo or 
you know, Chad O'Shea, Chad O'Shea <laughs> or like some of the other names that have been floated out. So that is the one thing that's kind of given me like, all right, maybe I shouldn't be too. I don't know. Maybe my right, yeah, it's, it's, not, like, it's not the greatest pool of candidates. Right. I like mean, in that pool, hack it probably is the it's like okay, he's overlapping. Mean, maybe you look back and wonder should they've kept LaFleur with all that, but there um, is a little bit of that. Like, okay, yeah. could they have brought Hackett in to oversee LaFleur? Could he have been the Greg Knapp role? But at the same time, you know, it's early for those questions. We gotta see how everything plays out. But I agree that that is in the ether. Second time I've used that in this pod. Uh, I haven't used hyperbolic. Yeah, have yet, have you heard that recently? Because that's something I realize sometimes like i'll hear someone Ether. say something or i'll read it or something and then it kind of is in your mind and it's fresh for a little bit i think i watched like, why I, did I just say that word and it's like oh yeah i just heard so and so say that i watched a clip of, of neil degrasse tyson and so maybe he said it okay maybe yeah. that maybe that's why ether um anyways wait one more one more thing i wanted to yeah discuss like i was thinking about this earlier how because obviously as we mentioned both hackett and uh, the O-line coach, Carter, have connections with his coaching staff. They've both been with Robert Sala in the past on different teams. So um, that's obviously a continuing theme now. Sala, he's mostly stuck to guys who he has coached with. So there is that nepotism aspect to it. And usually that gets a negative, you know, it, it's talked about in a negative way. Like, why are you hiring your friends? Why can't you cast a wider net? But I was thinking there is a positive aspect to it in the sense that, like, when you've worked with the guy in the past you've seen him you, you've worked with him for a year you've seen how he works the kind of guy he is like you know that firsthand it's not like when you are trying to bring in someone who you haven't worked with you're going off an interview you're going off of word of mouth like asking guys who've worked with him who probably aren't gonna you know throw him under the bus so it, it i'm i just think it's easier to gauge right. what you're getting when you and... have worked with the guy and he's not not only has he worked with the guy, but he was in Jacksonville when Hackett was the offensive coordinator. Like right. he saw Nathaniel Hackett as an offensive coordinator, and he saw right. what he did with Blake Bortles. I know the other two seasons weren't as hot. I agree with that. I mean, I th- look, I, I've criticized the the hiring of friends before, so it feels a little disingenuous to go back on it. I, I think there's there's benefits and cons. Uh, there's pros and cons. I, I think that that. Uh, you know, you saw the negatives of tr- this is a head coach and a GM, so it's different. But like trying to pair McCagnan and Bowles together, two guys who never worked together, that didn't work out. Like I do think there is something to having that chemistry, having that trust, knowing what that guy's going to bring to the table. But at the end of the day, they hired Hackett, yes, because because of the experience, because of his just his experience as an OC, because he overlapped the coaching staff, because he's going to run, run that West Coast offense, because he he I think he lines up philosophically with Sala. And then, yeah, because it was because he's shown he's he can work with quarterbacks and he's very personable. The players like him. I don't think you're going to have Elijah Moore telling him to fuck off or whatever, <laughs> whatever he said to Michael Floor. Right. Um, Although, if he is doing a dance dad routine, he yeah, might. that's true. Or if, if his Austin Powers jokes start to bomb. <laughs> um, and then the cherry on top is that he's very close with probably the most wanted quarterback of this entire cycle and the Jets need a quarterback and the Jets have a arguably ready-made roster. So all things considered, I can see why they came to the conclusion to hire him. I really just hope he's learned some valuable lessons from that Denver time. I hope they bring in somebody to passing game quarterback coach that I like. And then, then you look at this coaching staff and I think there's a lot of stuff to, to buy in and be excited about. We got to do our, our pods, do our film reviews, do the Aaron Rodgers pods, see what they even do in free agency and trading in the draft. And then this time, you know, around May, I think, 
you could feel very good about this hiring where the Jets are at, but a lot has to, to take place over the next few few weeks and months, including our own research on these guys. But as of right now, my my gut reaction. All right, Michael, this is the last thing I know. I said the last thing three times. Uh, day one, I won't hold you to it, but day one, your gut reaction, your your grade for this hire. I totally won't clip this and tweet it out if Hackett is a complete bum or if he's really good and, and you give him a bad grade. Well, that's why I'm going to go with this grade because either way, it's not too far far off. I'm going to go with the C right now. I think yeah. it's very – you think that's too low? Yeah, how's, that, how's, how's, that, how's, that, how's that fence you're sitting on? It's it's sharp. <laughs> it's not comfortable to sit on. All right, but whoa, the wind is blowing me. I'm about to fall onto one side, and I'm on the B side. There we go. There we I go. moved it up to a Thank B. God. B, so yeah. Now if he's bad, you can say I was positive about it. Maybe B minus. Yeah, I, I mean, so much of it hinges on Rodgers, but day one initial reaction – B minus feels fair, but, but Hey, if they land Rogers and, you know, I'd start digging into him more. Like I could see that there's, there's this grade is malleable, but as of right now, that's how I feel, but let us yeah, know it's what a you very, think. Very contingent grade. If they get Rogers, it's like, we've seen him and Rogers um, have results together. So Rogers will basically be the OC. The success. And he would basically be the OC anyway. Um, the, it, it's easy to picture them having success because you've seen it. And as you said, like you put him on this roster and, it's you know, at least comparable in skill position talent, probably better on defense than those Packers teams. Like, got to get the O-line to catch up. So you can envision the success if that happens. If he doesn't get Rodgers, then it's, you know, then the hire is not super intriguing. So it's a very contingent grade on that. But it does, you know, it's starting to feel like it's a very, very real possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be a New York Jet uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's that's weird. Definitely got a lot more realistic today. But as we said, there's a lot to break down. So we will be back. I, I We'll have the next podcast probably this weekend. It'll be Saturday or Sunday. We'll have the Nathaniel Hackett uh, candidate breakdown where we'll get a lot more in-depth into his schemes. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then we'll probably do a podcast on the – yeah, we'll do a podcast on the O-line uh, run game coordinator. We haven't done – we haven't done the uh, – season superlatives yet but i guess they haven't announced offensive rookie of the year and defense rookie of the year so we can we can get on that pod um but then we have yeah a few few other pods planned for the next few weeks um in terms of you know aaron Rodgers podcast a Derek Carr podcast um and then you know a bunch of different podcasts like that it'll take us up until free agency and very excited very excited for this uh for this offseason michael it's going to be a uh, good offseason for the podcast and hopefully a better one for the team with that said, um, you can tweet us at CYJ Pod. Let us know your thoughts on, on Hackett as the OC. You can comment below on the YouTube. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor uh, YouTube as well. You can follow Michael, Michael underscore Nania, myself at CYJ Pod. Um, please rate, review, subscribe if you can on iTunes. Helps out the pod a lot. I think that's it, Michael. Uh, last thoughts? Well, this is another important part of the Aaron Rodgers. You know, I knew you were going to say it, and I was hoping you would. I, was, I, knew, ex- I knew exactly what you were about to say. Sorry. Well, I think, you know, I don't think he has the best haircut for New York. No, oh, I just oh. All right, no, I know. You know what we're going to talk about. You, he we're does, talking does he about look how that he good looks in, in those you... uniforms. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we I go. don't know if he looks great in that Jets uniform. I see have... some of these edits, and I'm like, is that a good fit for Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. doesn't look great. Apparently, they're going to unretire the 12 for him. That's Joe Namath is willing to unretire 12. I think the 12 looks good. It's just maybe we're used to seeing Rogers in a classic uniform. 
with the Packers. Just no gimmicks on that uniform. It's you know the classic rectangular stripes. And now you throw them in the Jets uniforms with their the wings, the contrail, whatever you want to call it. New York. Big New York lettering. Coffee bean football. Just uh, not a great fit. Like, I see Lamar Jackson edits, and I'm like, yeah, that looks really good. Even Derek Carr, I think, looks kind of solid, which he also has a classic uniform with the Raiders. But I think those look solid. But I see Rodgers, I'm like, that is not a great fit. Yeah, his, his big bulbous helmet. Yeah. And just, yeah, I don't know about the the stripes and the long sleeves. And then I'm retiring the 12. Yeah, I mean, apparently they, they should have the retro uniforms this year, but they'll only probably be able to wear. I mean, how many times will they even wear them? Because they can only wear alternates three times. They have the black unis. Unless they can wear the black unis with the green helmet, and that doesn't count as an alternate, but I think it does. They can so. wear black as much as they want, right? Or no? It's I think I'm pretty sure we looked into this in one of the podcasts, but yeah, if they made the rule that they could wear the green helmet and the black jerseys, and that's not an alternate, I bet you they would just wear those as the home unis, wear the whites as the away, and then have the retro Kelly green as their three alternate, but I would imagine they can't do that. So yeah, hopefully they, hopefully they wear the retro unis a lot next year if they get Rogers. Well, they are getting in. Uh, we, we do agree. They're going to overhaul it in 2024, right? Probably. I think they'll make some tweaks. I think they'll make some tweaks. To the, I actually don't hate the unis, but they got to make some tweaks to the logo. I honestly just slap the eighties logo on it. I mean, you can, I just think there's too much. I'm starting to sour on them a little bit. I still like them, but I'm seeing what everyone else sees. I'm like, with thanks to these Rogers edits, they're kind of pointing out to me like, "Wow, I can see why other people don't like these uniforms so much." They're just just too much going on with the New York and the like. How many other uniforms have what the Jets have with the contrail thing going? We've that we've known Michael. For being honest, we've known these these most unis, of the numbers. These unis have a lot going on, but my I'm steadfast in my belief: if you win in a uniform, it looks good, right? And if you lose, they look terrible. So if the Jets won in these, we would like them. I guess that's true. Would the Packers look good? No, they they, the Packers. green and yellow and the green giant and yellow. G. No. <laughs> G. No, probably it's just, not. No. So I, I think, you know, get them in these in these unis, and uh, I think he'll look all right, assuming they start winning games. Well, Michael, it's always interesting around here. It's, or What is it, January 26th, and we're already talking about Aaron Rodgers in New York? I mean, next few months of this podcast are going to be pretty wild. That um, is crazy. Like, what a long way we've come from – even just a Mike White. Know, before the season, a couple months into the season, and Mike White. Um, now here we are. Aaron, something happening. Aaron Rodgers is essentially our quarterback at the moment. Yeah. So all right. What a what a crazy uh, season it was, and is already turning out to be going into <laughs> next year. With that said, stay tuned. Uh, be on the lookout this weekend for the Nathaniel Hackett Pod. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Have a great weekend. Go Jets.